In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All Saints Day proclaims the truth that the church is not limited to our time and our place or even to this passing world. The church is rooted in eternity. And though we are included in it, that also includes the church triumphant, those who have fallen asleep in this life who are now with Christ. The world is blinded to this reality because sin tends to focus us on earthly things, not eternal things. This is a worldview that is known as materialism and is the underlying philosophy of movements that are diametrically opposed to Christianity, such as critical race theory or communism. These things focus only on what you can see. But our own sin also blinds us to this reality, too, because sin closes our eyes to the spiritual realities that are around us also. But the thing is, we who live and breathe in the church on earth are in the minority. Today is set aside that we might do as our Lord bids us to do in the scripture readings chosen for this day, that is, to remember those saints who have gone before us into glory in that multitude that no one can number. Think, first of all, of the prayer that our Lord Jesus has taught you to pray. He invites you to pray with him to his Father and to your Father, our Father who art in heaven. Then come the first three petitions, the hallowing of God's name, the coming of his kingdom, and the doing of his will. The way these petitions are recorded in the Greek, the phrase on earth as it is in heaven also applies equally to those three petitions. That means that you could connect that phrase with each of the first three petitions. Hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we already pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of Jesus is not something that is simply focused, is, is something that is only in heaven. Dr. Luther catches on to this rich imagery in the Lord's Prayer by explaining the seventh petition this way. That when we pray, deliver us from evil, we are asking that the Lord would Finally, take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Give us a blessed end. Our Lord Jesus wants us to focus not on things that are passing away, but on things that will endure. Even as he teaches you to pray about the church triumphant, he bids you in the sixth chapter of Matthew's gospel, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. The church triumphant may not be visible to you, but it is vitally important to you and to your faith in Christ. For what you see is not what you will get. What you see today is passing away. This includes 
your possessions. It includes this church building. But it also includes your trials and your tribulations. But what is unseen, what we cannot see with our, our mortal eyes, that is what is eternal. All Saints' Day stands as a reminder to remember those eternal things. As St. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So if you are able to see those that you love who have gone before you, those whose memories you hold dear, including those that we'll commemorate in our prayers for today, what would they be like right now? What does their presence in heaven look like or feel like? And what will, what will their bodies be like when they are raised spiritual and immortal? Well, Scripture's witness to spiritual bodies in 1 Corinthians 15 does not mean non-physical, but it rather means that their bodies will be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's the judgment day. That's the resurrection down the road. You may have heard those stories, those modern-day voices that tell us that some have gone to heaven have witnessed something, and then have come back to report their stories. This was all the rage when I first started my ministry. I remember there was a, there was a whole smattering of these stories that had come out. They, they tell us that we can be more certain of heaven's existence because these people have been there and they can describe it. But is that true? Can someone actually describe their experience of heaven? Well, you know, dear saints, that the scriptures do not want us to direct our confidence towards the things of man. They don't want us to put our hope in a person dying, going to heaven, and then coming back to describe what they see. Rather, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, it is appointed man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Those who claim to have died and have come back However sincere their feelings, however near death they were, are claiming something beyond the promise of God's word. God reveals also that we cannot imagine what the fullness of heaven is like. It far surpasses anything that we can experience in this life. And that's probably a very good thing. So instead of putting our hope in these stories, we are to trust in Jesus, whose home is actually in glory and who has conquered death by his death. So let's get back to our question. What does God teach us about glory that is to come? What should we expect? What are our loved ones enduring, encountering now? Well, most consistently, the Holy Spirit describes heaven by stating what isn't there. There's no hunger, no thirst, no scorching heat, no tears. But even those things go beyond us. Hunger, thirst, tears, scorching heat, freezing cold, 
All of those things are just part of our normal day-to-day experience. But the scriptures tell us that it will not be so in the resurrection. One of the positive things that we do know that will be in heaven is clear from today's readings. If we were able to see those who have gone before us, we would see that they are focused on one thing, and that is on Christ. They are before the throne of God, says St. John, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. This is what they experience now, and this is the future for you, dear saints. It is what you are striving for. It is what you are hoping for. We can only gauge our inclusion in that throng now by looking at Christ in the same way that they do. That's what the Apostle John writes in his first epistle. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That word that's translated, but that stands behind that what kind of phrase, implies an astonishment that is beyond our expectations. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? Amazingly, God loved us to such a degree that he has made us sinners into his children. A spiritual beggar like me and a spiritual beggar like you, he has made to be his children. Or to put it another way, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. St. John continues, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. What we cannot see here on earth, the vision of Christ's face, will be given to us when he appears. You will see him as he is. You will know him face to face. You won't be him, but you will be like him. You yourself, male or female, young or old, you will be like him. You will still be yourself, but you will be like he is. How can we sinners contemplate the extent of that kind of eternal transformation? How can we ponder the intimacy with Christ, with the reflection of Christ in our very bodies and souls forever? Well, it means it means that you will be the person that God created you to be from the beginning. You will be the person that God has redeemed you to be. Fully and forever, the person that God baptized you to be, that is who you will be. In heaven, you will be free to be yourself without sin. You will honor him and shine according to the grace that is given to you only as you can honor him and only as you can shine. And yet... 
you will perfectly love all the righteous inhabitants of heaven with the love beyond that any of us have ever known here on earth. So I ask you, are you saintly enough to join the heavenly throng in the white robes? Are you pure enough to see Jesus as he is? Are you so blessed by God that the kingdom of heaven is in fact yours? It's crucial to know, by the way, that the gospel word blessed is always in relation to Jesus. But it's also essential to know that whatever purity the saints of God have on earth, whatever we possess, is also in relation to Jesus. And so the question that the elder asks and that he later on answers will help make this clear. Who are these who have come out of the great tribulation and where have they come from? These are the ones who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Dear saints, we confessed that Jesus is coming back in glory to judge. You haven't seen him revealed in his holiness and glory yet, but you will on that day. If we come before him based on our own goodness, on our own life, on our own love, then we will be exposed for who we truly are, those who lack perfect fear, love, and trust in God. According to God's holy law, we will be cursed and not blessed. But on this Sunday of all saints, your hope cannot be in that you are doing well enough and trying hard enough to be numbered among them. Because you're not. Like all the children of Adam, you fall short of the glory of God, but you are also pure because Jesus is at work even now, forgiving your sin. He's forgiving your worries about heaven, and he's even forgiving your earthly focus on the things that you see. The cleansing blood of the Lamb that makes white the robes of the saints is in fact the crimson blood of Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is by His blood and by His death, the very death into which you have been baptized. It is the blood of the New Testament which He gives you to drink this morning for the forgiveness of your sins. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus says, for they will be satisfied. So I ask you again, are you saintly enough to join the heavenly throng with the white robes? Are you pure enough to see Jesus as he is? Beloved in Christ, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. His blood has cleansed us from all sin, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And those who take refuge in him will never be put to shame. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.